You're listening to Experience, a social commentary by Anubhav. Have you ever wondered why the women in your circle always end up with more Tinder matches? In most of our circles, women seem to always be the one getting asked out at pubs or even being sent unsolicited messages on social media. Less fortunately, they may even seem more dissatisfied with their dating experience in general. Theoretically, this would imply that they're higher up on the sexual hierarchy than the people that they have been encountering. Is that feeble reassurance or just unfortunate? That's not a joke. It has long been established that the angst of many successful women, women occupying higher positions in the social hierarchy, of not being able to find worthy mates is because of their hypergamous nature. In other words, the higher the woman climbs the social ladder, the less likely she would be to find a desirable partner. Theoretically, the most successful woman in the world would desire no man. Now we could discard the whole discussion by calling men sexist, but the point that's noteworthy here is, women choose who they want as a partner. That's the difference that hypergamy seeks to highlight. Women choose. Men get chosen. Hypergamy, or more casually, dating up, is where someone seeks a partner of a higher socio-economic status than themselves. This is more commonly associated to women. Largely, they are seen to date or marry men who are of the same socio-economic status as them or higher. Typically, before the invention of abortion and contraceptions, the consequences of sexual intercourse for women were disproportionate to that of men. So when they did engage in sexual intercourse, and sexual selection for intercourse, they chose the men that were more suitable for child-rearing. Back then, sex was largely purposive. The whole point of sex was to have children and procreate. In today's day though, the physical consequences of sex have more or less been equalized. The consequences that loomed over the sexual experiences of women may now be avoided with great certainty by the simple prescriptionless purchase of a pill that is cheaply and widely available. We will lack clarity on whether the emotional consequences also stand abated for women. A study actually looked into when people thought sex should start in a relationship and when it actually did, it was seen that sex mostly began in a relationship when the women wanted it to and seldom when the men wanted it to. According to this conception, men are mere candidates who attempt to climb a complex social hierarchy driven by power, competence, and money to have the chance to establish their candidature in front of women who are higher in status to them. This is particularly interesting because if women date up, men necessarily date down. Women pick the most eligible candidate from amongst a pool of candidates based on the criteria that is both socially and self-decided. Needless to say, since they are selectors, they have a huge role to play in the criteria for selection. This also forms the underlying basis of the sexual economics theory, which suggests that sex and sexual selection is more of a marketplace, where female sexuality is assigned value and the male sexuality isn't. This also implies that something would have to be exchanged for that value, in the form of affection, respect, commitment, material gift, and sometimes even money. It could go on to explain why the vast majority of prostitutes and strippers are women, and the vast majority of their clients are men. I don't want to discuss sexual economics theory in great depth here, 
perhaps in a future podcast though. Why does hypergamy occur the way it does, one might ask? Some of the more contentious theories that explain why this power imbalance occurs touch upon aspects like avoidance, where the person avoiding something is likely to be perceived as more powerful and as having more alternatives than someone who is not avoidant. But a cause for hypergamy that is way less debatable is the fact that men have a great sexual motivation in comparison to women. This is clear from their longingness for sex consistently in all stages of relationships, sometimes even outside of them, and their higher likelihood of failure when it comes to avoiding sex altogether, celibacy. They're also more likely to spend more money to attain sex or even expose themselves to risky circumstances for it. There's almost no measurable amount of evidence for women paying for sex or exposing themselves to risks attaining it. The discussion about hypergamy, although contentious, does shed a lot of light on many factors that surround sex and sexual motivations. Do you think there are specific aspects of sexual motivations that I could possibly cover in future podcasts? Do you disagree with something that I've said? Do you think that I could have covered some aspect in greater depth or that I've failed to cover some aspects? I would love to hear your thoughts on my YouTube and on my Instagram. That always facilitates great discourse.